The following message was recorded Wednesday, February 7, 2024. Pastor Darren delivers the February 2024 communion message and how important it is for believers to continually confess their sins. And now, here's Pastor Darren. So who was here last week? Who was here last week? Now, it's dangerous to raise your hand if you are here last week, right? Because now I know who's going to answer the questions, right? Most of them were smart pastors. They didn't raise their hands. <laughs> but I know you were here. <laughs> so, so we're currently in the study of Ezekiel last, uh, on Wednesday nights, aren't we? In Ezekiel 39. But where did pastor take us last week? We spent a little bit of time in Ezekiel 39, but we went to Psalm 76, remember? And uh, he, he asked a young man, sitting back where you, about where you are, Nick, I think, um, about in that area. He, he said, hey, are you, a, uh, are you a priest? And so I asked you that question, are you a priest? Yep. Yes. And, and you were listening. The answer was yes. Why are you a priest? Because what? Because we can offer the sacrifice of our life. Exactly. You get to offer yourself as a sacrifice. Romans 12, 1, right? And then Pastor Rhett went on to share three words with us. Real quick, right? And, you know, I know it was quick, but you, know, you guys are astute, right? One was repent. One next word was confess. Very good. And then surrender, right? But some, who said submit? No, 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 because you know why? You know, I did a search, brought up Esword and typed in submit, and guess what? There's no submit in the Bible. I'm sorry, no surrender um, in, the, in the Bible, right? Um, in the East and the King James. I got no hits in the, in the King James. New King James, I got eight verses, but all those were... Um, in the Old Testament, and same with the ESV, right? But if you use the word submit instead, because I think that probably fits better, uh, in the New King James, there was eight verses in the New Testament, 15 total in the whole Bible, 13 in the ESV. Anybody know what the Net Bible is, the New Eng English translation? 38 hits in that Bible, and in the American Standard Version, ASV, was only nine verses. So if you have a problem with submission, you probably want to be using the ASV Bible, okay? Um, that's submit verses in there for you to have to deal with. So, but then Pastor went on and he asked a really difficult question. What did he ask? Do you yada the Lord? Do you know the Lord? And, uh, you know, Pastor has been dutiful, hasn't he, over the past months, maybe even the past year or more, to really get us to understand what yada means, right? To have that intimate knowledge, connection with the Lord. Um, you know, there are too many fans and not enough followers in the church. Uh, when Christy and I uh, started the Young Adults, ministry uh, last fall in our home, the first lesson I wanted to take the young adults through was this series called uh, Not a Fan. 
And it's about, you know, are you truly a follower of Christ? Or are you just a fan? Somebody that's, you know, impressed with Jesus, likes what he has to say, right? Uh, you think his music's wonderful, so on and so forth. But when you are asked to take up your cross, you won't do it, right? Uh, following Jesus is fill in the blank. Hard, thank you. Following Jesus is hard. Uh, I'll just, um, Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. You can turn there if you want, or I'll just read them to you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So does that sound like an easy thing to do? You know, it's, it's not. Uh, this passage is, is in all three of the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? Mark says pretty much the same thing, uh, starting in uh, Mark 8, verse 34. Luke is interesting, though. <clears throat> Luke 9, verse 23 says, And Jesus said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. <clears throat> He's the only one of the writers of the Gospels that put the word daily in there. Uh, one of the commentaries I read um, said that he must have... Uh, uh, read 1 Corinthians 15, you know, 31, where Paul says, I die daily, right? And I'm like, well, wait a second. The Gospel of Luke comes before 1 Corinthians in my Bible. How could, you know, how could that be? But believe it or not, the Gospels were actually written quite late. Um, they were, uh, Luke was written, when was Luke written? 80, 90 A.D., right? And 1 Corinthians was written around about 53, 54 A.D. So obviously, Luke read the first epistle to the Corinthians, right? So that's why they think he, uh, he added that daily in there. So daily is in there. What, do you, that, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me that I need to do? Am I just going to... Lord, I... I confess my sins to you, right? I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I do something hard for the Lord, right? I, I give up something that, you know, might be somewhat inconvenient or painful for me, right? And I'm done. The next 40 years, if the Lord gives me 40 years, then I don't have to worry about it anymore, right? That daily word in there is troublesome. It gets in the way to, of our convenience and of our life. Every single day, I am to die to the Lord. Every single day. Whether it's a day that I want to or not. Who here wakes up some mornings and just doesn't want to be obedient to the Lord? You're right? Your flesh goes, you know. But then, you know, you're like, you know what? I have, I have instituted some practices in my life that now causes me to realize that, you know what, Darren, you need to die to your flesh today. And, you know, maybe that might be uh, reading your Bible every single day. That's why it's very important to 
Get your face in the Word of God every single morning before you do anything else because get your mind on that right track. I know some of you, uh, Christy has Bible verses posted on the mirror in the bathroom. So when you're brushing your teeth, you know, you can, you can see things, right? You can, the verses to remind you of what you need to remember. Darren, die to yourself. We don't have that one up on this mirror, but after tonight, I'm sure it will show up. <laughs> we'll say, Darren, die. <laughs> should, be, should be, I be worried if that shows up? <laughs> so you need to ask yourself, if my walk with the Lord isn't hard, what does that mean? Are you a follower or are you a fan? You're not a follower. I heard somebody say that, right? Uh, turn to first, or 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Here's another hard one. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you know that we are not disqualified. Paul's like, I hope you know that I'm not disqualified, right? Um, Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. You know, here we are now on a communion Wednesday night. And you know how many passages in, in the Word are about communion, right? Not that many, <laughs> right? Um, but if we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let's read what... The Apostle Paul has to say about the Lord's Supper, about communion. And remember, we've talked about, do you know the Lord? Are you a fan or are you a follower? All right. Starting in verse 23, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Four. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So tonight we are going to take the bread, take the cup, right? And do, do this in remembrance of our Lord. And how often are we to do communion? Did it say here how often we're supposed to do it? No, it doesn't, right? So how often can you take communion? 
as many as you feel led to, right? Uh, does it say where we have to take it? It has to be done at an approved church, right? Is that what it, that verse 25b said? No. Nothing, right? Remember we talked about you're a priest. You can, you can take communion at home by yourself, right? With the Lord. Now, how or, or when does this sacrament or when, when does this communion have or need to stop? When he returns, right. That's right. That's what verse 26 is telling us. All right. Verse 27. This is what I want to talk about. But verse 27 starts out with a word, therefore, which means what's it there for? So we had to go back and read. <laughs> What's it there for? Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Oh, dear. An unworthy manner. Now, I think many of you know some of the history of the Corinthian church and what was going on. You know, they were a... Uh, pretty rowdy group of people um, when they would come together to take the Lord's Supper some of them were treating it kind of like a Ryan's you know buffet right just gouging themselves getting drunk and the Apostle Paul had to write to them to, to correct them uh, the Corinthians had been making a meal of the time over eating getting drunk rather than a, a time of reflection on the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ right Paul may have been addressing the Corinthians' particular sin in eating the Lord's Supper, their misuse of it, but we must also take care not to misuse communion. Uh, maybe it's because I have become more mature in my spiritual walk, uh, 39 years, almost approaching 40 years that I've known the Lord. Maybe it's just because I've, I'm older and I don't have to wake up and take care of babies and put diapers on them and all that sort of stuff so I have more time to, to think about things. It's probably because I'm older, not because I'm mature. Um, but when I read verses like this, because this verse has been in this Bible for close to the 40 years that I've walked with the Lord, right? It wasn't just inserted in here in the last 40 years. And I've read this passage a number of times in my life. And it's not until recently that this unworthy manner phrase bothers me. For me. Not, not because, you know, it, it, that shouldn't be in there. But it's in there. And what does that mean for me personally? Um, you know, we must take care not to misuse communion. Uh, we can make this application to ourselves today in that we must look at our lives. Who here is a hypocrite? Right? So that means there's a chance we might be taking communion tonight in an unworthy manner. We all have the sin of hypocrisy in our lives, Right? If you come to communion with an unrepentant heart or have a spirit of bitterness 
or any other ungodly attitude, would that not be considered an unworthy manner? Yeah. Verse 28. But let a man <clears throat> or a woman, <laughs> but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So we examine ourselves. Second uh, Corinthians, we read earlier, we are to test ourselves, right? Who knows you besides God? Who knows you better than yourself? When the, the door to the bathroom's closed, right? And you're in there by yourself, right? Who knows what you're doing in there? You do and God does, right? You know, uh, when you're on a trip, nobody from your, you're not going to run into anybody in your church, right? Where do you go? What do you do? What do you watch on TV? All right? You know. God knows, all right? Do you want to be judged by God? Or do you want to judge yourself? I'd rather, I think I'm a little bit easier on myself than, than maybe what God might do to myself, right? Verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Uh, who here has heard of Warren Wiersbe? Right? He just passed in 2019. I didn't realize that. Um, he's known for uh, his B series and he writes in his com one of his commentaries on this section of Scripture. Uh, he says, Paul did not say that we had to be worthy to partake of the supper. Very important point. Who's, who's worthy? Who here is worthy? No, right? Let's see. Paul did not say that we had to be worthy to partake of the supper, but only that we should partake in a worthy manner. At a communion service in Scotland, the pastor noted that a woman in the congregation did not accept the bread and cup from the elder, but instead sat, sat weeping. The pastor left the table and went to her side and said, Take it, my dear. It is for sinners. Right. Last I checked, we didn't let in any non-sinners in tonight. I think we only let in sinners tonight, right? And indeed it is. But sinners saved by God's grace must not treat the supper in a sinful manner. If we are to participate in a worthy manner, we must examine our own hearts, judge our sins, and confess them to the Lord. To come to the table with unconfessed sin in our lives is to be guilty of Christ's body and blood, for it was sin that nailed him to the cross. If we will not judge our own sins, then God will judge us and chasten us until we do not confess or until we do confess and forsake our sins. God loves us. And if there is any sin in our lives that we have not confessed to him, guaranteed he will start chasing us until we're, we relent. Some of us are pretty stubborn, right? 
I heard that. Somebody said, yes, he is. <laughs> but, you know, again, would it not be better for you yourself, for me, to just admit it? You know, when we were children, and, and if you have grandchildren or, or young kids and you watch them and you're like, they know that you know that they did something wrong. And you're just like asking them to just, just confess it, just, just accept it. But they're so stubborn. They, and they know you know, but they will not admit, confess to whatever thing they did. Right? Are we not the same way with the Lord? We, so as Bob Newhart said, just stop it, right? <laughs> just stop it. Stop that pride, that, that stubbornness, just remove it from your lives. That's another sin to confess, right? And one of the other, actually, it was the second word in those three words that Pastor Rick gave us last week, confess, amalageo, all right? Literally, to confess means to speak the same thing. Same thing as in this case, is who? God, right? What is God saying? So to speak the same thing. And you will change your view to match God's view. He's, his view on things is not going to change. First of all, he's right. And second of all, he's right. <laughs> and you're not, right? Interestingly, this, this word can also mean to give thanks, as a, by ways of celebration, right? You know, I was kind of reviewing my notes for tonight. I'm like, wow, this is a kind of a downer message, you know. Um, and confession is, it's important and it can be somber, right? But to know that this same Greek word for confess also means to give thanks. And Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks, amalageo, to his name. All right? So the long and the short of it, or the TLDR, knows what TLDR means? Too long, didn't read. That's the, if you ever see that top of articles and online TLDR, uh, then they, they kind of give you a synopsis. So the long and the short of it is, I'm wrong, God is right, I change my mind to agree with him. At times we do it privately, and sometimes we do it publicly. Uh, something Pastor Ritt said many years ago has just stuck with me, you know. When our sin is private, God deals with it privately with us. He's a loving father. When our sin is public, he has to deal with us publicly. All right? Um, so I, I would rather prefer to go into my prayer closet and privately confess and agree with God and let him do what he needs to do in, in my life instead of having to have a, a group of you fellas come knock on my door one day and say, Darren, we're going to take you out to lunch and we need to talk to you about something. Um, hopefully uh, you've never had any of those meetings before. <laughs> I 
Have you heard the saying, though, that confession is good for the soul? Yeah. And it's attributed to an old Scottish proverb that refers to the idea of coming clean with sins and shortcomings that weigh, uh, may weigh heavily on one, heaven, heavily, sorry, not heavenly, but heavily on one's heart in order to feel better and to obtain peace. Its biblical root, though, can be found in James 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses, your sins, to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, that's one thing we have noticed in this church over the last few years. We have become a church of prayer. Praise God. So much so that Pastor Ray has to extend men's study, you know, sometime because you guys are praying too much. All right? Is that a problem? No. I pray we pray more. All right? Now, confession removes guilt. So turn to 1 John chapter 1. We'll take a running start here. Uh, start at verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You're a liar, in other words, right? Verse 9 here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Continuing on in chapter 2 here. My little children... These things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Who's that advocate? Jesus, right? With the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation of our, for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. You know, people can become racked with guilt, can they? Um, you know, parents, this is a very good parenting technique, is to teach your children to repent and confess at home. Right? Fathers, we're supposed to be modeling, right, the Lord with our family and teaching what are we supposed to do when when they grow up. And now they're sitting in the sanctuary ready to take communion, right? Repent and, and confess. But, you know, something that Christy and I saw as our kids were growing up that we had to stop was 
the kids would say, you know, and you hear parents say this all the time, say you're sorry. And the kids go, sorry. And it's like, okay, are they really sorry? No. They're not, are they? Or I should say most of them probably aren't, right? So what we started to do with our kids was, all right, tell me what you are asking forgiveness for. What have you done? Confess it. We didn't use those exact words, confess it. You know, we didn't put the light on them and confess it, you know. You know, but teach them to say, I'm sorry, mom, for taking the last cookie. Oh, maybe that was dad. Sorry, dad, for taking the last cookie, right? You know, <laughs> from the cookie jar, all right? You know, remember, God is our father, and he's a good father, isn't he? And he will forgive us. You know, remember 1 John 1, 9, we just read, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now we're, we are going to go into communion. And if you're new to the chapel here, uh, we don't pass out the elements. We will dim the lights, put on some soft you know, instrumental music, try to keep it down nice and low, and you spend time with your Heavenly Father confessing any, any sin that you have yet to bring before Him. Now, you know, John Michael on Sunday mornings, he announces, hey, we're having communion on Wednesday night. Um, is that so that we can get more people to come in attendance? No, it's so that you can start preparing your, for yourself for communion on Sunday if you haven't already, you know, doing it. Little little inside trick, do it every day, and then you don't have to worry about John Michael or having to remind you on Sunday to do it for, all right? Keep that list of offenses, those things that we need to confess with the Lord as short as possible at all times, all right? But we are going to dim the lights, we're going to, I'll, I'll uh, take the covers off the elements. And when you are ready, you come forward. And you take the elements back to your seat and commune with the Lord. Amen? Father, we just thank you. We thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for meeting us here tonight. And we thank you that you tell us all we have to do is confess. Ask for your forgiveness, and you will forgive us, Lord. Lord, that brings a smile to my face. Lord, knowing that you are there, loving me, Lord, loving me enough to chasten me at those times where, where I need to be chastened, to be corrected, to be put on, back on that straight road, that straight and narrow way, Lord. And that at the end of my travel, you are there with open arms to receive, to receive me, Lord. And I pray the same for my brothers and sisters tonight. Father, just meet us in this time of communion, of fellowship with you, Lord. Father, we thank you, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Community Chapel of Greenville. For more information and to find more messages like this, please visit to www.ccgreenville.org.
It is our desire to see our Lord high and lifted up, and to see His people grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.